Could it be that up in heaven, God is sitting on his throne, anticipating another sinner? And magnify 
was crucified and risen from the grave. We praise Christ, the only one who has the strength to save. The message we proclaim is the power of his name. We praise Christ. We are the voice that cries the truth today. And of this truth, we will never be ashamed. pretty well. We've been doing it every week for the last five Sundays. You say, why in the world would you do that? Because that's the title of our series, We Preach Christ. And so we've just been singing it every week. Plus, it makes it easier that way. We don't have to worry about who's on the schedule. <laughs> we Preach Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, please. We're so glad that you're here today. We're honored that you'd take the time to join us this morning. If you're a first-time guest or visitor uh, we can't thank you enough for entrusting this next hour or 45 minutes here, actually the next 30 minutes or so, uh, the preaching of the Word of God. And 
We're so glad you joined us for dinner today, too, as we'll be having that shortly as well. But anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I pray and trust that the Lord will help us to not be distracted over these next few minutes, that we'll find ourselves focusing on the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. There we read the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We ask again that you would just eliminate distraction I know, Lord, it's tempting in a crowd like this as we hear things, as we see things, as we experience things to, Father, somehow think about what's going to happen or what may be happening even right in our close proximity. Help us, Lord, just to, uh, Father, focus outwardly to see and to hear what you're trying to teach and say to us. Lord, may you again anoint every listening ear, and Lord, may you anoint me as the pastor. May I proclaim your truth. May I say those things which honor and glorify you. Fill me with your spirit. Stand in my stead. And Lord, may I be a mouthpiece today for you. Father, we need you today. And may the truth that will be shared this morning truly grab our attention and ultimately affect our futures. May we, Father, make the right choices, choices that will not only protect us and ultimately prosper us, but glorify you. We'll thank you and praise you. And Lord, again, if there's anyone that has yet to receive and accept Christ in this crowd or that are listening by means or way of the live stream, we pray, Lord, that they would do just that before before we uh, end this service today. We'll thank you, we'll praise you, in Christ's name, amen. Again, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and as he's writing, he's sharing some things uh, uh, that are helpful to all of us, and one of the things that he makes a statement about is he says, but we preach Christ. We preach Christ crucified. He goes on to say to the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Now we have spent the last four weeks and now the fifth week addressing and dealing with this. But what we found was that the Jews, to the Jew, the cross was a stumbling block. They had expected a king to come that would ultimately relieve their pressure of the Roman Empire that would ultimately elevate them and place them in a place where they would be head of all nations again like was prophesied in the Old Testament. But instead of getting a king like that, they've got Jesus who ultimately hung on a cross. And boy, that to them was just an offense. We don't need someone like a lamb to go before the Romans. We need a lion. We need someone that will take charge of the situation. Someone that will place us where we belong. Someone that will deliver us out of the bondage and the, the oppression of the Roman Empire. They didn't get that, of course. They got Jesus, and that offended them. And it became a stumbling block to them. On the other hand, there were the Greeks, or Gentiles, as you may call them. 
And those Gentiles, they looked to science and they looked to reasoning and they said to themselves, it makes no sense that someone that's come to be the deliverer, somebody that's supposed to be the king of the Jews, would have to submit himself to the Roman Empire. It makes no sense at all. It was foolishness to them. But in spite of the offense of the cross and the Savior, even though the Jew and the Greek, the Gentiles said, man, that's ridiculous, it makes no sense, it's an offense to us, Paul stands unapologetically and he proclaims, we preach Christ. So who is this Christ that he preached? And so over the weeks we've been addressing that in week one, we noted that this Jesus that Paul the Apostle preached was both God and Creator. We could take the time to look over the book of Colossians chapter 1 and we would see that Jesus Christ himself is Creator. So that the God of Genesis chapter 1 and, and the Lord Jesus Christ of Colossians chapter 1 are the same indeed person, the Creator of the universe. And we saw that that Creator, it says that He's so high and He's so mighty and He's so lifted up that He, quote, must humble Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. He is so beyond us, He's so above us that we can't even possibly comprehend His greatness. Week two, we noted Christ the Sustainer. We said not only is He God and Creator, but He is also the Sustainer, meaning that He provides for us. Even as He provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, the Bible says for 40 years He didst, didst thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lack nothing, their clothes wax not old, and their feet swelled not. Can you imagine a pair of shoes and clothing that would last 40 years? We'd put the clothing business right out of business. Man, I mean to tell you, if you buy this shirt, you will never have to replace it. Now, we know that we like new things. Ladies, you have shoes to prove it. So even though those shoes never wear out, they're still in the closet, and you like a bunch of different ones. And you know, today, guys may even like ties, or they, they like, the, I don't know, some people use those uh, uh, cufflinks and things like that. I don't use those. They get in the way. I move too fast for them. But he is Christ the sustainer. And he, we said that he meets needs today even as he did back then. So Christ is not only the, the, both God and creator, but he's also the sustainer. And we said that he is the savior. And from the very moment that mankind fell, God made it clear that he'd provide a way back to him. And that way back was through Jesus Christ, the perfect savior with perfect blood, who was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And there on the cross he hung. And before he gave his last breath or took his last breath, he said, it is finished. Yeah. Can I say sin's debt was paid in full and the only thing left to do is receive payment. Amen. He is the Savior, Christ the Savior. He's the Master. We said Christ is the Master. As you read through the New Testament, it becomes obvious that Jesus Christ is the Master. He exhibits authority and power over the wind and the waves and the sea. He heals the lepers, the lambs, and even the lifeless. We said that nature itself recognizes Christ as master and that you and I ought to do the same. P.T. Uh, synth, F-O-R-S-Y-T-H. Don't even tell me how it's pronounced. Somebody's going to go, oh, no, we're not going there, okay? I'm the preacher today. You may have to be reminded of that in a little bit when you start hearing what I'm saying. But anyway, I'm the preacher today. 
The first duty of every soul is what he said. The first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. Wow. Man, we live in a culture and a society that is seeking freedom in every direction, but we need to understand, like we learned in Sunday school today, that there are limitations to freedom, otherwise there is total chaos and anarchy. The first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. May I say, he is master, and if he is master, then we are his servants. Paul said, what wilt thou have me to do? May I say, that's the question we ought to be asking the Lord Jesus today. Once we've met him on the road, once we've come to the place where he's our Lord and Savior, what wilt thou have me to do, master? So Paul the apostle stands up and he proclaims these truths. He says, listen, I don't care what you Jews think about Jesus, and it doesn't matter to me what you Greeks think, but we preach Christ. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ. Why? Because Christ is God and creator. Because he is the sustainer, and he's the savior, and he's the master. And we conclude our series today by noting that he is Christ the judge. He's Christ the judge. Take your Bible, if you would, turn over to John chapter 5, please, verse 22. John chapter 5, verse 22. John chapter 5, verse 22. Notice what the Bible says there in John chapter 5. We're going to use this. This is going to be kind of our kickoff point here. Christ the judge. The Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 22, For the Father judgeth no man but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father, that he that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now again, what we find here is that Jesus Christ is going to, has all judgment committed to him. And again, we're not going to get all caught up with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, that these three are one. So we're not going to get into a debate as to who is what and what is what. We know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, according to the Word of God, are one. They do, indeed. Uh, they, they, they work co-jointly. They work together. They are one. And so in this case, God the Father in heaven, while Jesus is on earth, has committed all judgment to the Son. Can I tell you, when you stand before God to be judged, it will be before the Lord Jesus Christ. The very Christ that was on this earth, the very Christ that walked the dusty trails of Galilee, the very Christ who ultimately healed and helped so many people, the Christ who ultimately heard crucify Him, crucify Him, and hung on Calvary between heaven and earth, naked, ashamed, and wrecked and ruined by humanity, the very humanity that he created, who died for us and shed his precious, perfect blood, that Jesus will ultimately judge. Because Christ is judge. Look, if you would, just let's look at a couple verses. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. Again, Jesus Christ makes it clear that the the Father hath committed all judgment unto the Son, unto him. Because Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. Hebrews 10, verse 30 says, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. The Lord shall judge his people. He is Master and Lord. 
Notice Revelation 6.10, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge, and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? In Revelation 19.11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. We are told in Scripture that all judgment is committed to Jesus Christ. He is the judge, and he will preside over heaven's court one day, and all creation will stand before him and give an account. That is a biblical truth. Now turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I want to say great job to our teenagers today. Appreciate you listening so well. You're doing such a great job. I heard that four-year-old say amen. It was awesome. <laughs> I don't know what age he is, but it sounds pretty young to me. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul the Apostle speaking now, to Timothy, his son in the faith and his protege. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Again, in the midst of this charge, he is making a statement and he's saying, based on uh, the authority of, the, of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and he goes on to say, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. So Christ Jesus the Lord is going to judge the quick and the dead. You say the quick? Yeah, the quick means alive or living. See, those who have received Christ as their Savior have been made alive, the Bible teaches. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you, speaking to the church at Ephesus, and you hath he quickened, who were dead, in trespasses and sins. You have he quickened or made alive who were dead or lost in your trespasses and sins. You who were at one point lost, you who were at one time in darkness, you who were at one time dead in trespasses and sins are now made alive in Christ Jesus. But hold on, what about the dead? We understand that that, that which is dead is not alive, right? If it's not alive, it's probably dead. And the fact is, is in Colossians 2.13, he says, And you, being dead in your sins, that is the state of all mankind prior to coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't care how good they are. It doesn't matter to me how benevolent they may be. It doesn't matter how, what kind of upbringing they've had. The fact is today is that every man, every woman, every boy and every girl is born with a sin nature, an atomic nature. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden all those years ago, when they died, uh, when they, when they, when they uh, sinned against God, the Bible says that he had to separate himself from them. Why? Because sin had now entered into the world. May I say today that every person is born separated from God. You may be the creation of God, but you are not the child of God till you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The Bible says we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And so we see here the quick that are made alive, but we see the dead who are not alive. Instead, they're dead. And he says, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together? He's talking to Gentiles now. The uncircumcision of your flesh. The Jew had a covenant with God to be circumcised. The Gentile did not. And he's 
speaking now to this Gentile church, a church that has, yes, some Jews that were saved, but also many, many Gentiles that had come to Jesus Christ. And he says to them, and you, you Gentiles that are now saved, being dead in your sins and, and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And that's a great passage. You are made alive. Your sin has been washed away. You've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are now alive and no longer dead. Sounds good to me. So the Bible teaches that Christ is judge, and he's going to judge both those who have received Christ and those who have not. That's what we find in the Bible. See, Christ will reside over two distinct judgments there's others, there is another, but I'm going to only focus on two. He's going to focus on a judgment for the quick or those who have received Christ. In Revelation chapter, uh, excuse me, who, who have, um, I squinted my verses, but I got them because I know the verse because it matches what I'm saying. So here it is. A judgment for the quick and those who have received Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. For everyone that is alive in Christ, everyone that's received the Lord, we're still going to be judged. And in that judgment, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Our sin will not be judged. It's already been judged on Calvary. It's already been paid in full by him and his precious blood and his sacrifice. But our works and what we've done since we've been saved will be addressed and we will face the God of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, and he will judge us for our works after we've been saved, the things that we've done with the wonderful blessings he's provided us. But hold on, there's a judgment for the dead as well and for those who have chosen to reject Christ as Savior and not receive him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Ultimately, in verse 15, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So Jesus Christ is going to reside over the courts of heaven, and there's going to be two distinct courts. There's going to be the judgment seat of Christ, where the believer, the person who has put their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ will stand, not to be judged of their sin, but to be judged of their service. On the other hand, there's going to be a judgment for those who have rejected Christ or never received him as their Savior, who said, you know what? I don't need the Lord. I've chosen not to accept him. You will be judged also. Jesus Christ being the judge at the great white throne judgment. And at that particular judgment, your works will be judged as well. But sadly, may I say, if you have nothing covering those wicked sinful works, because we are all born into sin, we will live in sin and die in our sin without Jesus Christ. He says, I'll not allow you into heaven. As a matter of fact, I'll cast you into a place called the lake of fire. Now, I know that sounds harsh and that sounds really mean and nasty, but may I say today, just hold on to your seat because Jesus Christ, as we've already mentioned, provides you an escape. He provides me an escape. But what we learn today, right off the bat, number one is that Christ is judge. Number two, here's what we learn, that the word is Christ. You say, the word is Christ. What are you talking about? Turn to John chapter 1 very quickly, please. We're moving fast today. The word is Christ. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1.
The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, verse 2. Verse 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I think it's important to recognize this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and verse 14 now. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What do we learn from these simple verses? First, the passage clearly points out that the Word was God. It also says and points out that all things were made by Him, the Word. Do you ever hear something like this? God simply spoke it into existence. Interestingly enough, Jesus Christ is the Word. He's the Creator. We already recognize that in Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17. But notice the passage clearly points out that the Word was God. It points out that all things were made by Him, the Word. God simply spoke. Also, it points out that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, we know who that is. That's obviously Jesus Christ. We, 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 I mean, I don't, anybody that would at least use the Bible as its standard would say, without a doubt, that's what it's referring to. So he became flesh. The Word became flesh. We know Christ became flesh. God became flesh. But wait a second. The Word was God and God became flesh. That's Jesus Christ. So that makes, here's the thing. That would make the Word of God Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ the Word of God. That's all there is to it. There's no, it, it's one, it, it's the same thing. So you say, what's the important, why is that so important to know? The Bible says, first of all, in Hebrews 9, 27, listen closely. It says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. There's an appointment for all of us to die. And then a judgment. The judgment comes. Hold on. Here's the, here's the importance of all this. All mankind will be judged by the same judge and by the same standard then. That's what we have to remember then. That's the importance here. All mankind will be judged. There's no doubt about that because the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Every human being will stand before God who created them and that God is Jesus Christ. It's the word. Hold on. Christ is the judge and his word then is the standard because here's the message now. Here's the message. Christ is the judge and his word is the standard. Turn again to Revelation 19. Revelation chapter 19. Go ahead and bring that out, would you please? Revelation 19, verse 11 through 13. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus Christ now is going to return one day. We know that. And he's going to set up and establish a millennial reign or a millennial kingdom. Notice what the Bible says. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Who's on that white horse? None other than Jesus Christ. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were as many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called 
the Word of God. Again, we noted already that Christ and God, that Christ as God and Creator is also the sustainer. We know this. His many blessings are freely given to you and I today. It's amazing how good God has been to us in spite of ourselves. His goodness should move us to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That relationship should, be, should prompt us at that point to yield ourselves to Him as Master and to serve Him with full surrender. Whether you choose to be saved, surrendered, or serving the Master is up to you. But no matter your decision in this life, not one of us will have a choice as to who judges us or what standard we're going to be judged by in the end. Did you, did you get that? Because that's the message here. You say, I'm not afraid. I mean, I've been a good person all my life, and I believe I deserve to go to heaven. Sadly, friend, your standard or expectation won't hold water. You know what? Uh, an umpire by the name of Babe Pinelli, he once called Babe Ruth out on strikes. You know, Babe, that home run hitter? The New York Yankees? Nonetheless, this particular umpire, he called Babe Ruth out on strikes. I mean, the crowd immediately erupted. They went nuts with boos, expecting their sharp disapproval of the call of the umpire. The legendary Ruth, he turned to the umpire, and with disdain he said, there's 40,000 people here who know that that last pitch was a ball. On hearing Babe's response, the coaches, the players kind of braced themselves thinking, man, that ump just might kick him out of the game for an attitude like that. And all of a sudden, with a very cool head, Pinelli stepped up to the plate himself and said, maybe so, Babe, but mine is the only opinion that counts. Can I tell you today, it doesn't matter what your opinion of yourself is. It doesn't matter how good or godly you believe yourself to be. The fact is today is that God has a standard, and that standard is perfection, and that standard is found in nothing less than the Word of God, because Christ was perfect, and so is His Word. And my friend, when you and I stand before Jesus Christ that day, we stand before a perfect standard. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what anybody says or anybody believes. The fact is all that matters is that Word, that precious book right there, the Word of God. And that's the standard by which you'll be judged and I'll be judged. You say, but I'm a religious person. Your religion will mean nothing one day when you stand before Jesus Christ. Because, my friend, let me tell you something. He is the Word of God and He is the judge of the universe. And that book right there is the standard by which every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl will be judged one day. It doesn't matter. You say, yeah, but I don't like that. It doesn't matter what you like. You're the creator, not the, you're the creation, not the creator. He gets to decide and choose what he's going to do. He came as a lamb one day years ago. He's going to come as a lion. And when he does, there'll be no excuses that day. You won't be able to cry, crucify him. I don't like his attitude. I don't like his opinion. I don't want anything to do with him. I want to run my life the way I want to run it. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live my life the way I choose. My friend, I'll tell you, there'll be no living anymore if you don't know Christ as your Savior, and you'll be judged by a perfect standard, the Word of God. And that perfect standard says in the book of Revelation, as we've already read, that you're going to be cast into a place called the lake of fire without Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you know what? You can argue it all day long, but I'm telling you, he's not taking any petitions and you can't get into hell and, and go ahead and write a, a, some kind of paperwork that goes to a higher judge because he is the judge of all the universe. And his, his, 
There's no appealing it. It's over. It's done. It's finished at that point for you. That book right there is the judge. That Bible, do you see it there today? Right in front of you, right in front of me. It is the standard by which you and I will be judged one day. And that standard's super high. Can I tell you, he's provided that standard for every single generation. He's kept that book around. He's kept it around long enough so that all of us can see it. All of us can know it. All of us can choose to decide to, to receive it and accept it as truth. Someone says, I just don't believe God could be that mean. I don't know, but let me just say this. As a parent, I know there's been times I've told my children, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. This is what you're permitted to do. This is what you're not permitted to do. If you step outside of the rules, there's going to be punishment. You know why I did that? Because I knew it was in their best interest. You better obey the rules, otherwise there's consequences. It's good for you. And furthermore, those rules that I said protected them from something else along the way. Can I tell you that God is not in the business of simply trying to make your life miserable, but he's telling you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior to protect you from something that is desperately coming, and it's coming quickly. The Bible says, Your life is but a vapor. It appeared for a little time, then vanisheth away. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You say, I'm not afraid. I'm not worried about it. I read about a young man who... Back in the Frontiers day, just a young child really, not very old at all, probably maybe six or seven years of age. And there he was on a, a buckboard, so to speak, and that thing took off. The, 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 the uh, horses got spooked, and man, they took off. And the young man, wasn't too awfully old, probably in his early 20s, jumped on a horse, ran off, took off after him, hoping to save that young man, because if he got thrown from those horses, who knows, he could have broke his neck, he could have possibly died. He jumps on that somehow, gets on those horses, slows that thing up, saves that young man's life. That man grew up to be a, uh, that young man, that boy grew up to be a man. But that group man that grew up, he was a wicked man. Ultimately, one day he's standing before a judge and he's going to be sentenced for his horrible behavior. And he recognizes the judge somehow. My goodness, isn't that the guy who saved my life years ago when I got taken off on that buckboard? Wasn't he the one that rescued me? Isn't he the one that saved me? And he started to appeal to that judge. Hey, judge, listen, I, you, you remember me, don't you? I'm that young man that you saved. I know I've done some wrong things, and I know I've not always been right, and I know that I'm not perfect, but listen, I'm worth saving. The judge said, I'm sorry, young man. Years ago, I was your savior, but today I'm your judge. And he sentenced him to be hanged. My friend, let me tell you, you can go ahead and try to think you're going to reason with God one day, but I'm telling you, the Savior of the universe, Jesus Christ, this perfect word, if you will, he's going to be the judge. The standard is found in the book. And let me tell you what, if you don't measure up to his standard, you're going to fail. But can I tell you that 2,000 years ago, he came and died for you and paid for your sin? Can I tell you that he sacrificed on your behalf so that you could receive and accept him as your Savior? And when you stand before the Lord Jesus one day, you won't have to go to that great white throne judgment if you've received Christ. Oh, you'll be judged for the works and for the service that you did after being saved, but you'll escape hell at least. Because he'll be your judge then. He will not be your Savior. But he's so kind. He's so loving. He's like an old grandpa in heaven. You just need something, you go to him and ask. I'm telling you, he is not coming back as, judge, as Savior next time. He's coming back as judge. That's what the Bible teaches. And can I tell you, the word of God is always true. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, the Bible says. 
I don't want you to pay for your sin. I don't want to pay for mine, and that's why I received and accepted Christ. I let him pay for it. And then I have to choose to make a decision to make him master of my life because I am going to stand before him and give an account for what God has done in my life since. And so will you as a believer. You say, well, it's been so many years. I, I've been living my life. Things have been going fine. I, I don't quite understand. I just, I, I just don't know if I can believe all that mess. I once heard of an agnostic farmer who wrote to the editor of a local newspaper. The local newspaper editor was a Christian. And he said, in defiance of your God, I plowed my fields this year on Sunday. I distant fertilized them on Sunday. I planted them on Sunday. I cultivated them on Sunday. And I reaped them on Sunday. This October I had the biggest crop I've ever had. How do you explain that? The editor replied, he said, God doesn't always settle his accounts in October. Listen, you may be getting away with your sin now, but my friend, it's going to come to a screeching halt. You better deal with it. I know this is not the kind of preaching that you hear in a lot of churches, but my friend, let me tell you something. This is the kind of preaching that needs to be in more churches because we have a country that's going to hell in a handbasket and we got mealy-mouthed preachers standing up telling everybody how good they are and how wonderful they are because they throw a few bucks in the plate. Can I tell you, your money's never going to get you to heaven and neither will your church attendance. The only one that gets you and I to heaven is Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I believe today in this crowd there's a number of good people. But may I say to you today, good does not get us to heaven. Godly does. And the only way that we can be godly is in Jesus Christ, who is perfect and sinless, who sacrificed his all on our behalf. A number of years ago, I bowed my knee and I said, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. But I thank you so much for dying for me on Calvary and taking my place and paying for my sin. And I accept your payment as payment for me. I want you in my life. Be my savior. You're my only hope. You don't have to say it exactly like that, my friend, but you do need to cry out to him in mercy and beg for his forgiveness and ask him to come into your life, and he will forgive you. Again, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's simple. Do you know Christ is your Savior today? Have you received and accepted him? Can I tell you that it's important? Why? Because he's good to judge imagine living your life without him telling you that he's not important to you at all and you stand before him and he's the one that judges you and may I say the standard is very clear there's no doubt all you have to do is read this book and you realize salvation is of the Lord you try to find any other means by which to get there you're going to fail and you're going to fail miserably this right here is the key the word of God he outlines and he explains exactly what he desires and demands of mankind it's been here all along See, I've never heard this before. My friend, it's been here all along, and aren't you glad you did? Because truthfully, you will stand before God just like I will, and we will give an account whether we're saved or lost. But if you're lost today, it'll, it'll end in a place called the lake of fire. If you're saved today, and you fail to make him your master, it'll end in total shame and disgrace. Oh, you'll make it to heaven by the skin of your teeth, but my friend, that's no way to make it anywhere. 
Let's trust Christ today. Let's understand that we'll be judged by Jesus Christ and the standard by which we'll be judged is the Word of God. It's that simple. It's that straightforward. And today, if you will see Christ as Savior, you will not have to be worried about Him as judge. Won't you let Him be your Savior today? And you won't have to stand at the great white throne and see Him as that judge that casts you out of His presence. Trust Christ today while you can. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for your love, your mercy, and grace in our lives. We thank you, Father, for the truth of the Word of God. Father, that book is so precious. It's so important because it is your mind to us. It outlines and shares with us what you want. Lord, that Word is you in written form. That's Christ Jesus today. And Lord, may we just handle it with respect. May we honor it. May we obey it. And Lord, if there are any that have not yet received Christ as their Savior, may they do so this morning before it is eternally too late because we don't know what tomorrow holds and let us settle it today while we still have opportunity because Lord, one day he'll be judged even though today he's Savior. So Lord, may we take full advantage of him today. And Lord, if there are believers today that have not made him their master, the master of their life, may they yield to him today as they ought so that one day when they stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ, they don't have to be ashamed. They'll know that they have given their best to the master. And although he will be so high and lifted up, we'll all fall before his feet. The truth is, Lord, at least we'll know in our heart we did our best for him. Father, we'll look forward to what he will then reward us with. But Father, help us to settle the account now, to deal with it today while there's still hope and time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm gonna have